episode 311 of the Hooniverse podcast. Uh, tonight, it is a solo episode. I'm recording from a hotel room in Marina del Rey, California, as I prepare to drive the Porsche Taycan GTS Sport Turismo tomorrow. Vehicle I'm very excited to drive. Um, regardless of that, thought I would knock out a quick podcast. Uh, gave Knight, gave Knight, gave Ron the night off tonight because I didn't feel like dealing with the internet here and 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 worrying about all that. I'd rather just record one of these myself. And I just got back from dinner with Portia. Um, no, this is not going to be a Scotland episode, you vintage Hooniverse podcast fans. Um, but I am sad to report that Hurley Haywood and Patrick Long were at my dinner and I talked to neither of them because I was at the opposite end of the table and I spent the whole night talking to Bradley Brownell which is wonderful but uh I really I've never met Hurley Haywood and I still haven't um and I, he is one of the most interesting people in the industry that I could p- potentially talk to and I did it and I regret that regardless let's move on let's let's talk about other things so this past weekend we had Autopia 2099 and it went really well for our first ever show. We had a good crowd, we had a good lineup of cars, we had some amazing vehicles show up. Uh, we had grid participation from the automakers, from other people. Are there things that could have been done better? Certainly, but as the presenting team of Autopia, we're extremely happy with how it went out. We had awards to give out. We had a great display from Livewire, which uh, partnered with Race Service to build this amazing display. Nissan had some cool stuff on hand. I managed to find a food truck at the last minute, which had delicious tacos and fries. So we had some vintage hot roddy home brewed stuff show up. There was an old Beetle, which looked really good. There was an old bus done by Jehu Garcia, which came out really good. AEM was on hand with, uh, was it an SN95 Mustang? There was a converted S2000. Um, somebody rolled in an E9, a BMW E9 project car that didn't even have doors on it. And they drove it all the way there, which was so cool. Um, an electric converted Mini. Uh, there was a Corvair that won best in show because it was really, really well done. There was a very passionate man who had, from new, single owner, daily driver, original RAV4 EV, amazing. Um, Audi was kind enough to let me borrow an e-tron Sportback to drive up. Uh, my One of my the co-founders of the show, Ethan Tufts, he had an e-tron SUV to drive to the show, so we had a pair of Audis. Volkswagen let me, uh, they entrusted me with the Nora 1000 ID4 and the Rebel Rally ID4. Like literally, they're like, I said, after I drove them in the recent video you saw on Hooniverse, the YouTube channel, I said, wait, where are these going? Because we have this electric car show. Can you bring these over? And they said, uh, that sounds really interesting. Uh, we're going to divert our truck that they were going to be on where they were going somewhere else. We'll send them there. You sign for them. You're in charge of them for the day, which is like, okay. So I after they were unloaded off the truck, I pulled them each into the show, um, which was really cool. Um, and then we staged them. And then at the end of the show, I had to wait for a different truck. To, I was the last one to leave counting everybody because there was a one truck pulling some of the, all the Nissan display stuff out because Nissan had a really nice display. They had to load in two Arias, 
a Nissan Leaf, a Formula E um, model, and then all their their stage shit. And then once that truck could finally pull out, then I could unload or pull out the two ID4s to the other truck that was waiting outside that had to drive them somewhere else later on. So I just had to wait for that. And the guy, a very, very nice gentleman driving this truck, a larger gentleman looked at the two. He's like, oh, I've driven these before. Um, you're going to have to drive those on the truck because to get in and out of them when they were on the truck was impossible, especially the blue Nora 1000 truck, which full roll cage, full race seat, built to Tanner Faust specs. Um, so I drove those on the truck at the end of the show. But getting back to what was there, Livewire's display was awesome. Zero had some cool stuff. Nissan had cool stuff. Uh, there was just a lot of really cool enthusiasts. Rivian had two trucks there, which was so great to see. Porsche had three cars. Great first go around at this and the enthusiasm is building to the point where um immediately after the show people who were monetarily involved said they immediately want to be involved in future ones and we had an internally even discussed future ones and other people who weren't involved some people reached out to me were like how can we be involved so i'll, I'll let some info slip that is fine because it's not giving anything away but we did the one show we're already thinking about two shows for next year, um, and people are trying to push us for more. So uh, my goal is at least two, though. We're definitely going to do two. We'll see what happens from there. So it, it's very interesting, and I think there's there's kind of like a there's no ceiling on what we can do with these shows. So we learned a lot from the first one. We know what we would like to execute with other future shows. Um, which is really great. And having Brad help us walk us through this who, as a person who's done a bunch of shows has been very helpful as well. It was cool loading those two ID4s onto the trailer, though, because I'd never, first of all, driven those onto a trailer. Like, one of the, one of the ID4s I had to put on the second row. Uh, you know, it's it's a, a car hauler. And the guy's like, have you ever pulled onto one of these before? I'm like, I've pulled onto, like, the bottom row. He's like, all right. So we pull onto the lift. He's like, I'm going to put a, a wheel chalk behind your back tire. We're going up to the second row. I was like, okay. I don't like heights. But it wasn't that. We go up there. And as soon as he was like, okay, come forward. It's an electric car. So when I first let off the brake, it started to roll backwards. And I nearly shit my pants. But it literally rolled like an inch into, it just rolled into the wheel chalk. But I, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, and then... You have to drive it into the upper deck of this trailer where, you know, it's constant doing this so you're not bouncing off the walls of them. But you have to leave enough side to get out of the one door. And this is the roll caged one. Um, and to when they're like inch, 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 you can't. It's so hard to be like tapping the throttle on an EV like it needs it. it so whatever. We got them on there. We got the second one on there on the lower one. But there were two other cars already on the trailer. One of them was the first ever boxster literally plate boxster one georgia plates the original owner of which was jerry seinfeld the other car behind that was a modern gt3 which was cool but boxster one bananas super cool super crazy um so autopia rent went really well uh, i had dinner with my friend uh matt farah after i got to see his bmw his the e46 he bought is just it's a new car. It is flawless. It is amazing. It is awesome. Um, so that was really cool too to see. To I, he's a friend. I don't get to hang out with that often because we live in two different counties, far enough apart. 
Um, so it, 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 it's always nice to see him. Um, and, and that was all good. And then after Autopia, um, give the e-tron back, I had the new BRZ. So I just spent the past week with the 2022 Subaru BRZ. Uh, limited, so good tires, uh, and the six-speed manual, because you can get a manual or automatic. I am extremely happy to report that the new BRZ is excellent. The engine pulls hard, the peak torque happens lower, there's no torque dip, the manual gearbox feels super tight, and the fact that it has Michelin PS4S tires on it, I mean, it's super sticky, suspension is golden, seats are super comfortable. I could put my car seat in, and because oh, she's in a booster seat now, so my daughter, I could drive her to and from school in it comfortably. Um, it's just the touchscreen is nice with the Apple CarPlay, wireless Apple CarPlay, all that good stuff. Excellent upgrade for the second gen BRZ. Uh, I have no idea how it compares to the, the GT86. I've always preferred the interiors of the BRZ to the GT86 anyway. It is an excellent, excellent, excellent machine. I'm very happy about that one. So now I'm here to, I drove my Jag up. Um, <laughs> I drove my Jag, I was just thinking about why I didn't drive the Montero, which I'll tell you about in two seconds. I drove my Jag up here. Uh, my Jag was driving really weird the other day where it was like hesitating voltmeter was reading low and then after driving for a minute voltmeter came up oil pressure's fine um it's just shifting weird a little bit and then today on the drive none of that was happening i think it's just old car shit jag shit vintage tbi shit so whatever i'm not going to stress about it too much um the only thing i really need to do on the jag is um sorry i just got distracted because whenever i'm in a hotel I always put South Park, if South Park, I put Comedy Central on as background. It's the audio is not playing, but because um, most of the time it's South Park and I love South Park. So it's been a marathon of South Park all day. When I go to my hotel, South Park, go to dinner, come back, South Park. And it's the one where Kyle <laughs> changes to play basketball and he just exploded his knees and his dad turns into a dolphin <laughs> or a jufin. <laughs> so whatever. Um, I don't know why I just got sidetracked by that, but um uh, this is all allergies. Um, so the Jag, super comfortable, flawless on the way up. Just got to get the AC system pressurized so it doesn't leak, so it can hold. Because all the components where a compressor works, blah, 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 blah. The reason, well, the Jag's a better cruiser to bring up here anyway, but the reason I didn't bring the Montero is because it doesn't have a gauge cluster in it right now. So... <sighs> Uh, there's a couple things I'm planning to do the Montero. I'm talking to a rack builder that wants to build me a custom-sized rack for a very reasonable price based on non-custom racks. It's it's about the same. Um, Gamaviti. I don't know if you if you are into roof racks at all. Um, and in the process of doing other things, I'm like, well, I got a BRZ outside. I got the Jag outside or Jag in the garage, Montero outside. One thing I started to do was I wanted to swap in better lighting for my gauge cluster. So I pulled the gauge cluster a week ago and I was doing stuff and I only had two bolts to put in, or two bolts, two bulbs to put in. Put the two bulbs in, clearly made a difference, but along the way, when I did that, I broke the hazard switch. So if you're working on one thing, you break another thing. Come to find out, with Gen 1 Monteros, the hazard switch is something that breaks all the time. Apparently it's rare to have a working hazard switch. I had no idea. 
Um, but the shitty thing is like your hazard switch also leads to your turn signal. So if your hazard, sw hazard switch isn't working, your turn signals aren't working. So I couldn't have that. I am a turn signal guy. You have to turn, you have to use your signals, dummies. If you don't, use, I'm saying this, I said dummies to the people who don't use them. Everybody else, you're not dummies. Um, so with my hazard switch broken, I was like, I can't, I cannot have that. You need turn signals. So the way my hazard switch broke is the switch, uh, the switch is on the outside. There's a switch material on the inside. It's basically two copper spring fed pieces on the inside with a bit of plastic that can move them up and down to turn it on, on and off and a little light inside. And then on the backing plate of that is the wiring and that snaps into the plastic bit with two tabs. One of those tabs broke. So the switch material was fine. It's just the, the thing that held the switch in place was broken. So what I did was I took all of that apart. I lined it all back up. And the crazy thing was is this little tiny little copper plate things that are spring-backed. And the spring's just kind of in there. It sits in a cup and the back piece goes into the copper plate. One of them I didn't realize as, as the thing came apart. One of the springs went bye-bye. And I didn't think about it until I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to order a switch. And here's why. I Googled switch replacements. The cheapest ones were $60 for a hazard switch. All the way up to $200, which is hell no. I'd rather go scour junkyards. That's insane. Um, so I went back to my car. I'm like, I'm going to rebuild this, not knowing that I was missing the spring. And I started to put it together. And I had the copper piece. And I realized the other copper piece had the spring. This one didn't. I was like, oh, shit. And I looked down into the floor mat and I found the spring. It was sitting there, crazy lucky. So I put it all back together, I squeezed it together, and then I just took tape. Since I didn't have the tab to hold the one side in, the one side, one had the tab, the other side didn't. So I squeezed it in, taped it, let go, it was holding, pushed it in, all the connections in the back of the, the, um, the cluster, because it's, I'm gonna try to count them. Speedo cable, main power, one, two, big one over here. I don't know what that one does. Three, four, five, six, seven. So it's at least seven connections. Got them all put back together, screwed back in. It's very easy. It's two bolts on the bottom, one bolt in the back, and then there's a cover that like press or tension fits behind that. Um, and I went, turn it on so there's power to the cluster, you know, reconnect the battery cable and hit the blinker, hit the hazard. And at first, like, it was like, one side was like click clink 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 and then it was click clink 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 i was like all right just weird slow blinker there for a second and then the big test though blinker boom 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 boom, boom. works Whew. somehow it's like the only time i've ever put a switch back together because in my old mercedes 114 i used to break the window switches all the damn time because they're those same old style um spring loaded switches you know and and you you don't think you're pressing hard and like it's just like the crummy infrastructure around the switch and you press weird and the switch gets bent out of order and sends springs this way. I went through like five window switches in that Mercedes and those weren't cheap because but I was dumber then and I and I couldn't have didn't think to try to rebuild them. But I rebuilt it and it works and apparently in Gen 1 Monteros that's a rear thing and I had no idea. But why does the Montero not have a cluster now? So I did do that switch. Switch is in there working good. I got some of the extra lights I was gonna put in there, uh, the smaller lights. So I pulled the cluster again. And this time, 
I was finally going to address the way off odometer. So originally in the Montero's life, it was um, an RV tow behind for the first owner. So on the auto history report of the vehicle, it had like 276,000 miles up to a point. And then all of a sudden at one point, a previous, another owner did something where they fixed the engine and then they replaced the cluster. And then all of a sudden the cluster read like 176 and then it was sold. And I think I bought it with like 180 something. And now it has like 193, whatever the discrepancy is, this truck should have over 300,000 miles on it. And I think it should be proud to have those 300,000 miles. So what I've done is I've taken based on the vehicle history reports and based on my ownership of the vehicle, I've added them together. And so I went in there and I was going to reset the odometer to the perceived correct mileage. I'm one of the few people you meet who is rolling their odometer up. I'm, I'm fucking increasing the mileage by like 150,000 miles. So my it, it should read based on my math 323875. Um it's not going to be accurate, but it is significantly more accurate than the 191 that was reading in there before. So I have a 300,000 mile sticker on there from four by forward and I want it to actually display that correctly. And if, if I ever have it, in, if it hits 400,000, you know, I want that to be on there correctly too. That's like a huge badge of honor for that truck. So took the cluster back out, I took the plastic bits off and I thought it would be as simple as literally just going roll, 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 roll. No, there's like a whole, it's like a watch. It is like a watch mechanism in there. And I'm sure it's actually not, but like I could not figure out how to, I would start to roll one and it wouldn't let me roll thing. There's like these stoppers that is about resetting numbers. And it, it is literally like, like a watch in there. And I was like, oh, I was, so then I actually brought the gauge cluster inside and I thought I was going to sit down and like really dive into this and figure this shit out. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. Because I know people can repair gauge clusters for not a lot of money. And so I reached out to the shop, OC car that where my Benz is and has done stuff for me in the past. I'm like, do you have a gauge cluster guy? I'm like, yeah, we have a guy who can, who can do what you need. Um, it'll take a week. It's like 150 bucks. I'm like, fucking done take this i'm sick of it i don't want to stare at this i just want it back when i get it back i'll put all the bulbs i had in and it will go right back in and i had to move my montero the other day today to get the jag out of the garage with no gauge cluster in front of me and i was like i'm like this looks really weird to drive but i literally rolled it back with the engine on and then put it in first and then rolled it into a, a parking spot just next to my driveway which was kind of funny um, driving it that way. I put tape over the speedo cable because I don't know what juices are going to come out of that. Um, and just literally nothing behind the steering wheel was kind of weird. Uh, all you test owners are like, well, that's how you, that's how you drive. Um, so that, that was funny. That's where the Montero is right now. Like It's running and driving fine. I'm getting ready to size up and order a roof rack for it. And from there, I'm going to do awning and lights. And I kind of want to do Baja style chase lights on the back. And now I don't know if I want to do them on the rack or hidden inside the rear glass because they could be obnoxious if they're on the rack, you know? Like I don't want like big bright LED turns because I would like to tie it into the turn signals, 
um, and all that stuff like you do with real Baja chase lights. But the idea of having Baja chase lights on the truck, I always love the way those look. I kind of almost want to hide them behind the tinted rear glass because you would still see them. So I'm not, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Definitely front bar, which I would only use for off-road driving. Um, probably tri-color. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe even ditch lights. Awning. And that's really it. I want a very simple rack setup up there. But I'm talking to Gamaviti. Uh, they said they need these measurements. They can do gutter mounts, which my truck would have to be gutter mounted, um, which is why I can't just go out and buy like a rhino rack platform or something like that. Front Runner makes one. Um, but their quote or their, their existing one was potentially more expensive than the Gamaviti custom-made size one. I'm like, well, I'll just go with this fancier shit and, and do this because you can do expo up bars. You can do a bunch of different things. And I'm like, and they make gussets if you want them where it's gusseted. So that sounds way more interesting to me for that. So I'm leaning that way for that one. Stay tuned for more on that one. But now, because it's a solo episode and I'm running out of shit to talk about, we're going to jump over to Twitter. Well, I don't need to talk about that, but I did back to the car stuff. I have finally booked Stay Tuned in January because um, time is keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Finally booked. It's all happening in a row. Raptor, uh, Maki GT, and Maverick. They're all coming. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and I'm going back to Meekum, Kissimmee, Florida for the first time in years. So that's a whole nother story, and I'll get into that in a future podcast episode. But it involves my best friends. That, I mean, if you followed me and you know why I've been there, the person I used to go there with died of cancer. We're going back to sell two of his cars for charity, so that could be really cool. So stand by for more info on that. C1 Corvettes. So let's jump to Twitter. First question from Bertie Redfern at Bertie Redfern. Lake Forest or Huntington Beach? I lived in Huntington Beach for a very long time. I loved living near the beach, but raising my child in a more suburban Lake Forest is fantastic. And Huntington Beach, no, um, it, it really shit the bed the last few years. It really showed its true colors where it used to be, where it, it's, I don't want to get political on here, but no thank you to Huntington Beach. Um, it's not my cup of tea and I don't align with it. And uh, I still visit Huntington for Four Sons Brewery. I have friends there um, and it is a lovely stretch of beach. I do not want to live there. No, thank you. I do miss the beach though. I live 15 miles from the ocean now. Kevin uh, at LF9Body, what's your latest weird automotive crush? Something you shouldn't like, but kind of do. Um, I really like so many things that I'm, I'm very easy to please automotively my latest autumn i don't have an automotive crush at the moment um i mean maybe the rivian but that's not like something i shouldn't like but kind of do i can't think of something that i shouldn't like but kind of do i don't have a good answer for you here because i really like a lot of things right now there's so many good things to like and that's like a lame cop-out answer but yeah, man, I, I everything's everything's pretty great at the moment. Um, and if it's if it's if it's not great, it, it like stands out as being not great because everything else is really good. Um, 
Team Radar Love at Midnight Drifto. Let's Brewster's millions today. If you had to spend at least five million US dollars on a two car garage, how would you fill it uh, with like art? I don't know, five million dollars is a Banksy. Um, I would buy a fully built with a full interior trophy truck. So like a pre-runner, um, I saw one when I was, I drove those Volkswagens off-road and it was based out of this garage where they run trophy trucks and they raced in Baja and all this stuff. So there was like a vintage Ford F100 in the corner and some other stuff, but there was one Silverado, which I would never buy a Silverado, but the idea of what it was, apparently this truck was once owned by the guy who owns Fox Shocks, which is crazy. So I think it was four-seater, pre-runner style um like 90 inches wide at the front like crazy fenders the thickest shocks i've ever seen with the remote reservoirs and i think when it was new it was like an eight hundred thousand dollar build or something banana so i one of my vehicles would be some manner of just bonkers off-road capable wildebeest powerful thing with a full comfortable interior and then the other side of that garage, I mean, $5 million, I don't need $5 million. So I would I would buy that truck, let's say I spend a million, let's say I spend a million dollars on that truck. And then the other side of the garage is, has a, honestly, a Taycan Cross Turismo done to my spec, um, which at the end of the day, say I, I pour wheels and, and other shit into it, say we're at 250. I'm at one, two, five of your five million. So the rest of the garage would literally be like a sim, um, which I would never use. It would be art. It would be a wine cave. It would be uh, an outdoor half court basketball court. It would be um, like a mountain bike balance trainer. I don't know, it'd be mountain bike storage. It, it would not be cars at that point. Five million, I don't need, I would never, if you said two cars, $5 million, I couldn't do it. If you said 10 cars, $5 million, different argument. But if the two cars would be crazy overbuilt trophy truck, electric Porsche wagon, and then art and wine. There you go. More wine than art. <laughs> uh, what if I was like a crazy beer collector? Francisco Guerra at Guerrero underscore FJ. Guerrero. Battle of the Forgotten Sedans, pros and cons. 2022 VW Arteon versus Acura TLX for S versus Kia Stinger GT six cylinder, GT1 six cylinder, which one and why? Acura, all day long. Um, the Acura is the best looking one, I think. The Acura has the best seats. The Acura has the best all-wheel drive system. SH all-wheel drive is just the my favorite all-wheel drive system out there. Um, so, it, I mean, it's not even, close to be totally honest between Arteon, Stinger and TLXS. It's TLX all the way. It is it's really good. Great sound system too. At Happy Honda Days at Sean Keeley too. What forbidden wagon do you wish was available in the US and why is it the updated 2022 Volvo T8 recharge? No. Um no thank you. The one that I wish was available in the US um, I really like the RS4 Audi, just a, a more compact, uh, you know, version of the RS6. But uh, I've always been a massive C63 wagon guy. That oh, whew, that is now we're super duper super talking. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go with C63. Hey, definitely C63. 
Rob C at Rob underscore E underscore 30. If you could convince, I'm trying to talk with the stuffy nose. I don't know why my nose got so stuffy. If you could convince an automaker to pull a Nissan and restore and sell one of their cars from the past with a warranty, what car company would you choose? I think I would go with some manner of vintage Ford Mustang. I would love, uh, he's referring to when they rebuilt the 240Z, um, I'm assuming. Um, and I would go with either a, a, a fully warrantied brand new Fox body or a fully warrantied brand new like 67 Fastback Mustang. Holy shit. Even if they, 302s, I don't care. Uh, I mean, 302 would be perfect in either of them. Absolutely a uh, Mustang for me. Even though my dream car is still a 6869 Charger. One of my dream cars. Jacob Brown at the Jacob Brown. What excites you these days in terms of market trends? Is it new and electric, the end of the old era, or the hybrid era bridging the gap? Or something completely different like the Safari overlanding trend on the OE level? Soft pitch here for the A6 Allroad. Jacob works for Audi. Um, my excitement in market trends happens to be both the end of the old era, so like the last last gasps of gasoline stuff, I really enjoy, like the upcoming Z06. I mean, come on, um, love that shit. Love the whole like, oh, you know what, it's going out, let's give it everything, I love that. And then the new electric stuff, love that stuff too. The Safari overlanding trend on the OE level, I can appreciate it, I liked it a little bit to begin with, and now I'm already over it. I am so sick of uh, plastic cladding. Um, I'm so sick of literally plastic cladding and a weak-ass AT all-terrain being, oh, it's, it's, it's built for camping now. Like, come on. Uh, because I really wish, and some of them are saying, they're like, we're... Subaru is doing it really well, where they're talking to some of their customers, and so like the Forester is really intriguing to me. Um, Honda is on the right track with the Pilot, um, but their Trail Club or whatever the fuck they call it, um, it's not there yet. They launched it too early. They, I, I feel like it's not. It needs to be a bit more than just style. Uh, whereas the Forester took a like there's actual ground clearance clearance increases more protection um stuff like that so like you can do it but don't half-ass it and everybody is literally just style wise half-assing it and i'm over it um it, it's killing it for me and and and, it's, and i really love the space but i just think it's being really like oh this is what they like here toss these fuckers a bone and it's it's all for show, not for go. Um, and so it's it's the idea of it was appealing, and I've I've been very quickly turned off by it. Um, to answer your question, like I, I was very excited. A great example. I was very excited to spend a week with the Mercedes E four fifty all terrain. That is, I was very disappointed. Um, it's. It's an E-Wagon with cladding, and it is the only way we can get the E-Wagon that's not a 63 AMG here. Um, and it literally adds nothing. It, it, it like doesn't increase clown. It, it's, it, it, the, I think the under nose protection is fucking plastic. Um, 
it's cladding on an e-wagon and then you give it matte paint and if you scratch that paint you'd fucking cry if you had to repaint it um, because it'd be so expensive um, it's it, it was a it was a very extremely disappointing machine when I was extremely looking forward to it because Mercedes does know how to make an off-road vehicle um, it's just if you want that the uh, the one vehicle that's really really good at off-roading it's crazy expensive and it's geared towards bombing Rodeo Drive even though it is it can still go off-road extremely well just wish they offered a factory you know 18 on it instead of like 20s and up or probably higher fuck but the g-class is still the g-class regardless of the engine and the wheels and the tires and blah 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 josh ostrander at mr underscore steer your dog oh, fuck you josh uh sorry this is my video partner uh why do you hate formula e and the future of our planet obviously whatever I literally have an electric car show. What are you doing? No, that's a terrible thing to say. Um, I hate, I, I, Formula E is boring as fuck. Um, it's like taking, part of the enjoyment, as, as someone who's embracing electric cars, Formula E to me, I, I want it to succeed. I think it can succeed. And the only race I've ever been to was years ago, granted, and they still had to do the battery swaps then. And it was the bougiest fucking crowd I've ever been in. And this was Long Beach, which is normally a very fun track, but they like made Long Beach boring. They turned it into a square. No one was paying attention to the race because who gives a shit? Uh, silent racing was not working for me. Um, I like the idea that you could bring Formula E into cities. Like, I, I really, like, you could do a race in New York or time, through Times Square. You know, that's so crazy. Well, you know, safety precautions, but still, like, the emissions and the, all that stuff. But th then again, you still need somewhere to put the trucks and the teams and all that stuff. So it's not totally perfect. But you can potentially race these in more urban environments, bring racing to places where racing hasn't gone. I really appreciate that. I like what they're trying to do with the off-road stuff, too, and all that stuff. But the one Formula E race I went to was just, like, tear-inducingly boring. Um, I would like to revisit it. I'm always open to changing my opinion on anything. Um, that's a part of being a good human being and an understanding person is if, if you get new information that changes your viewpoint and you have new information, you learn, you grow. And I, I am willing to do that with Formula E. My expectation is that I will go to the race and be like okay I mean again I, I'm excited about the future of EVs with motorsport man the noise goes a long fucking way so there you go so that's where we're at on all this stuff caught up to date so stay tuned for Porsche GTS Sport Turismo uh, our first drive review of that um, I have a review of a Maybach coming out which is I'm very smart at making sure I hit the relevant audience for my stuff. Um, uh, what else do I have coming out? All the Fords I mentioned. Uh, I still have not done an intro video on the Jag, even though I finally got the new plates for it, which is I didn't even I forgot I even ordered those at the beginning of COVID, and they showed up. Uh, it says two inline fours is my license plate basically for the xj6 go to my instagram at hooniverse jeff you can see i posted a picture of them they literally came in the mail i was like oh sweet <laughs> i forgot about these um 
I need to do an intro video on that because I haven't done one, which is insane. I need to talk about the Vredestein tires and, and the sound system I put in, which I paid for the sound system, but uh, I did not pay for the tires. So I should probably talk about those. We've next base delivered us some dash cams. So we've got dash cams coming. We're talking to Pennzoil about doing more stuff together, including maybe a code to give you a discount on oil. Um, which could be very cool. Um, so stay tuned for that. That would probably be something that lands in January. Um, so we're cooking up some cool stuff. We are cooking up some cool stuff. I'm very happy to report. Um, follow me at Hooniverse Jeff, like I already said all that stuff. Like and subscribe to the channel. Um, and I appreciate you listening, and I hope you uh, are enjoying the return of the Hooniverse podcast. Um, even when it's a solo episode like this, more intimate, more personal, more you, me time. Um, though I do love, I'm so happy that Ron is on this show. I think he adds a lot. I, I think he's a great voice to add to this channel. And I've gotten some great feedback. And I hope the majority of you agree with that as well. So stay tuned for more of everything. And I will see you, we will see you on the next one. Oh